0: Today on Infinity Sports, we have Anthony Duckett, a Houston area sports writer, who's going to talk to us about the Houston Texans, their coaching search Deshaun Watson and several other things going on with the team that coming up right after the intro. Welcome to Infinity Sports. I'm Wayne G. Sully could not make it today, but I have a great guest host with me today. He is a very talented writer. He covers the Houston Rockets for Fan Sighted as well as Clutch City Control Room. He used to cover the Houston Texans for the Toro Times. And it is his second appearance on the show. That is Anthony Duckett. What's going on, Anthony? Everything's good. How about you, man? Not too bad. I mean, I'm not a Texans fan, so I guess it's going all right.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) in that case, it could be worse for you. (laughs) Uh, before we
0: get into that i do want to say uh please click the subscribe button uh like it's going to do a lot for the show as well as put you first in line to catch the new content if you prefer to listen to the show rather than watch it we are available on itunes spotify stitcher and amazon music so listen to us while you drive to work go for your daily walk or whenever you listen to podcasts We are an interactive show, so please feel free to follow us on Twitter at Sports Infinity 5, on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and on Facebook at Infinity Infinity Sports Podcast. Uh, Anthony, so what is going on with the Texans? Apparently, they had the first head coaching vacancy when they fired Bill O'Brien, but they've got the last one to be filled. Now, is this more (laughs) of a case of people not wanting to coach there, or is it the Texans doing their due diligence and taking their time?
1: Well, so um, I guess it depends on, on what you believe. Um, my thoughts are that they initially they, they botched the situation with Deshaun Watson. So now in the back, and you're trying to you know appease him, smooth things over. So uh, I think I personally think that complicates things. You don't know if he wants to be here or not. There's reports that the game today, Bill's Chiefs game, uh, the two finalists are BNME and Leslie Frazier. So there's their thoughts that after this game today that the Texans might move in a direction of whatever team loses um, because they'd be able to hire that guy first. Now I don't really like that mindset to me, the right guy all along is getting me and I'm, I'm kind of baffled that he hasn't gotten hired yet. I mean, there were like, well, I think eight other jobs, maybe seven, eight other jobs um, this cycle and he didn't get any of them. So the Texans are, I mean, figured to be his only chance of getting a head coaching job this cycle. Um, But again, if you're a do you even want to take the job if you don't know Deshaun's here, right? But then I also say, if I'm a I don't even interview here unless I know, hey, Deshaun is, you know, on board because, I mean, without Deshaun, you know, where is the lure in this job, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And that's a great question. And when you look at the Houston Texans and their history of coaches, they've basically had three coaches since 2002, Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, and Bill O'Brien. Between the three of them, Bill O'Brien has the best record, and he has five out of seven of his seasons were winning seasons. So I'm curious if Bill O'Brien was fired as a head coach or if he was really just fired as a GM because of his poor moves.
1: Um, well, the, the unfortunate thing is that the you know franchise made the decision to not hire a GM and to allow him to fill that role. Um, now, Bill O'Brien, the coach, not as bad, right? You know, four division titles. Um, there's something to be said about that. You know, the Texans were up 24 points just a year ago on the Chiefs, which is painful to even remember or talk about as a Texas fan. But the reality is, I mean, they they were set up to win that game. Um, So Bill O'Brien, the coach, not as bad. But the problem is that Bill O'Brien was going to be a package. You were going to have a GM and the coach. And him as a GM was awful. And what also is really, I mean, what gets forgotten about by a lot of our fellow Texans diehards and, and Deshaun diehards, is that Deshaun Watson, after that Chiefs game, actually said, I want Bill O'Brien back. He's my coach. I don't have any doubt about that. He's my guy. And, you know, unfortunately, in endorsement at that time for O'Brien, man, he's going to be returning as, again, the package GM and coach, which honestly paved the way for DeAndre Hopkins' trade. Right. And
0: I'm curious, too, you said Deshaun Watson saying that he wanted Bill O'Brien as his coach. Deshaun Watson reportedly came out and was very upset that he was not consulted when they hired a general manager. And the Texans went against the firm that they'd hired to find the general manager. And they went with Nick Casario, who they wanted last year, and the Patriots refused to allow them to talk right. to him. I'm curious what your thought is on you know him as a GM. I mean, I think that he'd be a very sought after GM because of his success in New England.
1: So, you know, that that's a really great point. Um, there's I mean, there's a lot been a lot of upheaval, especially from the Deshaun camp, about Casario's hire. And I understand the process that, you know, there was a firm that was paid millions by, you know, Kexon's owner, Cal McNair, and the firm did not have this guy, Nick Casario, on the list. So I understand it might seem to come out of left field or Jack Easterby, you know, having influence over Cal. Uh, and swayed this GM hire. So the process of hiring, you know, Nick Nick Casario was was obviously a joke. But you know, the idea, the fact is, the guy was a part of the Patriots for, I mean, for a long time, a part of several titles that the Patriots won. I mean, he was a coach on that staff. You know, um, he was so coveted by the Patriots that, as you mentioned, they were trying to block the Texans from being able to pry him with a year left on his contract. So. I mean, the the, the fact is, it, it seems like from all we know, you, you really can't question the Patriots' front office. I know they've had coaches that have left and didn't really do as well. Um, but you really can't question the Patriots' front office. And he was a part of that front office. Again, he was very valued by them that they didn't want to let him go. So, you know, to me, I'm kind of excited about what kind of moves he'll make. Now, the first move he's going to make is, I mean, well, the first two moves I'd say are probably the biggest when it comes to you know, the coach you hire and what you do with Deshaun. But, uh, I mean, to me, the the GM that they ended up choosing, I know they're, 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 um, the firm recommended that they hire Steelers, I think, VP of player, some kind of role. I think it was Omar Khan, maybe it's the person's name. Louis Riddick um, too, I think
0: was a finalist.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I know, I know Louis Riddick also interviewed. Um, But, I mean, to me, you know, the GM that they end up hiring, Nick Cassero, the Texans have wanted him for a long time. And he's valued by a front office that, frankly, can't be questioned with New England.
0: Right. Now, my question for this is when it comes to the GM, we think of drafting, right? And you look at the Texans, they've just had bad luck looking at their coaching staff again. over the Since 2002, 18 and 46, 61 and 67, 56 and 56. They just can't seem to find any consistency at the top of the division. But I looked through their draft picks, their first-round draft picks. And, I mean, David Carr, Andre Johnson, Jason Babin, Mario Williams, Brian Cushing, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, they don't do a bad job drafting. So what is it that they can't take that leap to having consistency?
1: Um, so they generally knock it out of the park in the first round, it seems like. Um but as we know, the draft is typically made in the later stages, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round, being able to find value, find gems late in the draft. And the, and the Texans, that's to me where they've kind of lacked. Uh, I mean, they've you know, more recently, you know, they've done a little bit better. Um, McKinney was a you know second round pick. Um, Zach Cunningham, second round pick. Uh, Justin Reed, third round pick. I mean, more recently they've done better in the later stages. Um, but if you think back to three, four years ago, four or five years ago, the Texans really late draft picks really were not that great. Braxton Miller, Jalen Strong. I mean, guys aren't with the team anymore. Alfred Blue is pretty good as a six round pick, um, you know, because you're, you're not expecting to have great value there. But the draft is really made. I mean, your first round picks have to be home runs, right? Um, those are going to be your guys that you expect the most from, right? But the draft is really made in the later stages and in my opinion that's really where the Texans have have not really done as great when it comes to drafting.
0: And that makes I think Nick Casario an even more impressive hire because one of the things the Patriots do really well is find those gems in the 4th, 5th, 6th round and he's been the head of scouting there for the last 5, 6 years.
1: Right, exactly. You know that that again that that's also more, you know, reason to to me to be excited about. It. I mean, he's got a great resume. He's coming from Patriots front office that has been, you know, probably the, the, well, not probably, but the best uh, and the most structured and the most stabilized in the league. And whether or not, you know, he was behind all these moves. I mean, I I think Bill Belichick is, you know, the final sign off. The fact is he has had influence and that, you know, cannot be overlooked at all.
0: Right now I was looking at what problems they're going to have going into next year they're 18 million dollars over the cap heading into 2021 so they've got to do some cutting and i was looking at who the cuts might be jj watt is due 17 and a half million against the cap he's got zero dead caps or zero dead cap money uh brandon cook's 12 million against the cap zero dead again and then david johnson 9 million with only two dead obviously the biggest cut seems at 17 and a half million dollars with no dead money that jj watt would be the most likely person to go but he's been the face of the franchise. I mean, could they really part ways with him?
1: Yeah, that's the right move to make. Uh, and, and and the Texans fan base, they want that too. Um, I think at this point, everybody wants, you know, J.J. Watt to be on a contender. I mean, he's on the back back nine of his career. We don't know how much time he's got left. Um, you know, it, it, it's time for him to go to a contender where he has a legitimate chance of winning a ring. Because it would be, I mean, it, it would it would be, well, he wouldn't be the first. But it will be a travesty if he retires and he doesn't, you know, had his last few years didn't have a, even a chance to compete for a ring, much less doesn't ever win one, because uh, he's been such a great player over the course of his time here. Um, you know, the the Texans fan base, you know, he's done so much for the city of Houston, you know, as well. So um, the right move is to send him back into a team that that a I think that he wants to go to. Uh, which will be a team that he believes gives him a shot at a ring. Um, I don't think you're going to get Mac much for him, right, because, again, he's on the back nine of his career. Uh, this past season he didn't really play as great as he normally has before that. Um, I think you're probably at best getting a third-round pick, which, again, if you're the Texans, it's not really about what you get back. It's more so about you doing right by a player who's been, you know, absolutely spotless uh, on and off the field, I would say, over the bulk of his time here.
0: Now, what do you think the chances are? Again, odds fifty fifty or whatever that they release him, trade him, or restructure his contract, just so it's a little bit lighter against the cap.
1: Um, I mean, the latter that that makes sense. That makes sense. Again, if you're a team and you're inheriting, this, you know, this monsoon of a contract, it, for what you're getting back, um, you know, it will make perfect sense for him to restructure his deal, or you know, for him to get released. He's got zero dead money as well, um, and it would be more appealing at that point, and he would be able to pick whatever team he wants to go to because he'd be a free agent. So uh, that probably would be the best move for him uh, and would make the most sense. But from an organizational standpoint, I would personally try and get what I can get back for him, depending on what that is.
0: Now, getting back to the coaching search, you mentioned Eric Bieniemy, and I'm surprised as well that he didn't end up with one of these jobs because – my understanding was he was the number one name on everybody's list. And then just six positions got filled up or whatever it was. And now the Texans are the last one. I think they did ask him, you know, the last job is the Texans doesn't seem like anyone wants to go and coach there. And I think his response was, I just want to be a head coach in the NFL. So it seems like he would be open to going to, to Houston.
1: Yeah. Um, again, my thoughts personally are that he would want to be here if he's got Deshaun here. here. Um, but, you know, it's been said that he's a bad interviewer, uh, which I guess would make sense because, I mean, year after year after year, you know, uh, we still are shocked that he hasn't gotten hired yet. And he gets interviews every year. I mean, this year he had a lot of interviews and he didn't get any of them. So it's been said that he's maybe just a bad interviewer. I know there are also folks who have questioned, you know, what exactly does he do with the Chiefs offense? Is Andy Reid the driving force behind the offense? You know, what's his role? I mean, to me, either way it goes, that kind of goes out the window. I mean, we see less qualified guys get head coaching jobs as well. So, um, and, and not to mention the fact that the Chiefs tree alone, they've had, you know, OCs, uh, you know, Doug Peterson, uh, Matt Nagy, you know, guys before me me get hired. And, again, if the thoughts are that well, Andy Reid runs the offense, not those guys, well, why did those guys end up getting head coaching jobs as well as opposed to the enemy. me. So if he's a bad interviewer, then I guess that explains it. But um, as far as his interest in the job, it does seem like he's interested still. Uh, I mean, like I said, Texans are last opening, and he's still involved. I, I read from Adam Shepard this morning that he's going to be brought back for a second interview. So you have to think that if he's agreeing to do another round of interviews, he's very much interested in the job at this point.
0: Now, some of the other names, I know, obviously, Josh McDaniels was put out there way back when they hired Casario because of the connection. And McDaniels also interviewed for the Eagles job. Yeah. And then they also mentioned, this was the one that puzzled me, Josh McCown. And they actually yeah. liked the idea of bringing in Josh McCown as the head coach and having a couple of uh, coordinators who were head coaches previously, which is why they also interviewed Jim Caldwell. But I don't understand that at
1: all. Yeah, you know, that's one of those things that <laughs> – That kind of puzzles me also. Um, I mean, I read the different takes where that, you know, maybe the Texans are trying to help, you know, set the way for him to become a head coach next year or get some interviews next year, uh, or that maybe they liked him so much they wanted to interview him so that he could be a part of whatever staff or whoever coaches brought in, maybe as a quarterback coach role or, you know, a passing game coordinator role, some type of capacity on the next coaching staff. Uh, Maybe they're trying to groom him up, give him an interview to see how how he do, um, I don't think that the Texans are really, really ever seriously considered hiring him as a head coach. Um, but I think they probably want to give him the experience of going through the interview process uh, and, and give him a chance on the next staff or who, whoever is hired, which I think is kind of dicey because you figure the next guy wants to bring in his own guys. Uh, but that to me is probably what the interview with him is more about.
0: And I was thinking, too, that the interview with McDaniels and even with B enemy is more about appeasing Deshaun Watson. Because the reality is, if you look at the team, Bill O'Brien's an offensive head coach. Their offense has been the same over the last five years. They haven't lost any points per game over the last five years. In fact, last year, Deshaun Watson had the most passing yards he's ever had, the best completion percentage he's ever had, the most touchdowns and the fewest interceptions. And yet they're interviewing offensive guys instead of defensive guys when their defense gives up more points year after year after year.
1: Well, that's true. I mean, well, I mean, the exception of Leslie Frazier, he's obviously defensive coordinator at Buffalo. And then they interviewed uh, Matt Eberflew, defense coordinator for the Chiefs – I mean, uh, Colts, I'm sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it seems like they, they want to appease Deshaun. Um, and I, I, from that perspective of appeasing him with your head coaching hire, that makes sense, right? He's going to be interacting with, you know, this guy on a regular day-to-day. Um, and he's obviously your franchise player, also the face of your franchise, also the future of your franchise – Right, so I, you know, I understand wanting to hire someone that you know that he signs off on and someone that he feels will make him better. Because we've seen what I mean. This season, Deshaun didn't have the weapons. I mean, the Texans had decent receivers. You had guys in and out, suspension, injuries, things like that. Uh, but he did not have the you know caliber of a DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. And he went out and led the league in passing yards. So. You know it makes sense that you maybe want to get a guy who we who he feels and and the franchise front office feels can propel him and take him you know further um so when it comes to that you know i I do understand that I think it's gonna be kind of tough to give him what he wants first of all, we don't really know what he wants he hasn't said anything except he posts these you know cryptic lyrics every day for okay. us to kind of break down and dissect what does this mean you know um but from what we have heard is that he you know wanted to hire Vietnam me. Um, he was upset that they took so long to interview him. Is what we've heard. Uh, but he also wants the Texans to keep the uh, the last most recent offensive coordinator, um, Tim Kelly, in some kind of capacity. And again, that's going to be kind of tough because, especially beginning me, if they hire an offensive-minded guy, I mean, why would he want to keep the old offensive coordinator? You know, he runs his own offense. He's going to want his own guys, or to run his offense himself. So I think it's going to be kind of tough for Tim Kelly to be. You know, or, or, or any of the current holdovers to be retained on the enemy staff. Uh, but that's what Deshaun said he wanted. So that, I guess and, it's part of appeasing him.
0: And I guess some of my frustration with the Deshaun Watson, what he wants, quote unquote, is, you know, he wants to be involved in the general manager hire. He wants oh. to be involved in the coaching hire. And now he's saying, you know, I want to, supposedly his preferred deft- destination is the New York Jets and then the huh. Miami Dolphins. And, I'm like, dude, you just signed a four- or five-year huge extension. Yeah, You really shouldn't be any – just like we talked about James Harden last time you were yeah. on, you really aren't in any position to have any leverage.
1: Right. Well, and the thing is – and so this is my thoughts about it. And it's an unpopular take. Uh, a lot a lot of my fellow Texans brethren, fans, don't like this. But, I mean, to me, players – the Texans were foolish to ever approach him and say, hey – reportedly the owner said, hey, I want to you know, meet with Deshaun we're gonna hire a GM. I want you to give us some guidance, some insight. What your thoughts on that process? Players don't have a say in GM hires, right? Coach, okay, I get that. But play—I mean, GMs—that that should be decided by your ownership group or by an EVP or by some type of collective front office, you know, group uh, or assembly. You never should ask a player, especially Deshaun's. I mean, as great as he is. He's still early in his career. Why would you be asking him to help you with a GM hire? I I mean, maybe if you're talking about a Tom Brady, 20 years in the league, even then I think you still wouldn't, wouldn't make sense, but that would make more sense. A player who's been in the league 20 years or 15, 16 years who maybe has bumped elbows with GMs, you know, whatever the case, but, the fact that you asked Deshaun to help give you insight into your GM hire. Now you set the stage for him to have power that he shouldn't have or, or, or feel entitled to, right? You pick a guy, you ask him to give you, and the thing is, so you asked Deshaun to give you a list of GMs. Okay. You take a look at that list and it said, ah, this list, we could do better. And they decided against the guys that he had on his list, but their reports are that he was upset that they didn't even interview none of the guys, he didn't expect them to hire any of his guys. He thought if you guys value my opinion, you should at least talk to these guys. And I guess I, on one hand I understand that. On the other hand, you know it's like, do you really want to waste these guys' time if they're close to Deshaun and you know they're not going to hire these guys? Then I mean, would he be? Wouldn't he not be upset or frustrated? Also, if you if you interview these guys, waste their time and don't hire, them, right? So I mean. What he wants, I, you know, we'll see. I really don't know. The whole Jets thing doesn't make sense to me because, I mean, whatever team ends up trading for Deshaun, they're going to be, I think, in the worst spot than the Texas from a draft pick standpoint because you're going to have to give up pretty much all of your highly valued or good draft picks for the next the next couple years or so, which will leave you in a worse spot than the Texas are in now. But the Jets on top of that have so many holes. It's like, yeah, you can get Deshaun. And, and I've read people say, well, if you get Deshaun, then maybe, you know, they might be a sign Allen Robinson because Deshaun's there, and maybe so. Maybe that's the case with the Jets. But even then, I mean, if you have if you have Deshaun and Allen Robinson, that's a great you know start. But they have a lot more holes. So are you really gonna be better off in New York than you are now? Right? I read that he likes Robert Sala. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think that will be be going backwards for his from him. Yeah. To me,
0: the. Best play for all parties involved seems to be the Miami Dolphins because you can get Tua back and the number three pick and the number sixteen pick. You know that's a pretty good haul and and potentially even a pick next year. And then Miami also still has all of their picks this year, other than those first two rounders. So it's still actually wins for all of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know that I'm of the camp that you don't don't trade him. You don't have to, but if he forces his hand and says, you know, I want out. And he has a no-trade clause, which also complicates things. You know, he has to sign off on the trade before he gets dealt. Miami would seem like a pretty good package. You know, I don't know how I feel about Tua, but I like those draft picks. You know that they have the Texans could get their own draft pick back. You know, remember they sent that pick to the Dolphins for Kenny Stills and Lambert Tunsel, so you would get your own pick back. Which this year that pick would be pretty valuable because you went four and twelve. So, uh, so yeah, I mean that that seems like a pretty good overall package if you have to move him. Yeah.
0: My question, I guess, would be let's say he stays. They they hire a coach and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot for a year. We'll see how it goes. Deshaun Watson comes back, you get a good coach, like let's say Eric Bieniemy comes in as the head coach. You've got Casario now, who's a really great, you know, draft presence. What is it that the Texans need? They were four and twelve this year. If Deshaun stays, what do they need to go ten and six?
1: Well, they've got to get better for sure in the defense. As you mentioned, defense was awful. Um they need some more help on pass, you know, pass rushers. Um, you can you can draft pass rusher you know, later in the draft, uh, impact player. You can also look at free agency. I haven't looked at the list of who the uh, top, you know, um, free agents are. Pass rushers. Secondary is not that bad. I mean, Bradley Roby, you know, played really well for the Texans. But they also believe in Lonnie Johnson, Justin Reed as well. I believe in those guys. Um, o line has actually been better. Right. With Tunsil and with, you know, Thomas Ty- Howard, um, you know, some of those guys. Now, the center is not that great. Uh, Nick Martin, but he's in the contract long term. So, I, I mean, I guess you deal with it. You definitely need some more receivers for sure. Uh Cooks played well, especially towards the end of the season. Will Fuller played great. Although he's in the contract year, how much, you know, we always see guys play great when they're in the contract year. He also getting suspended because of, you know, PDs. But Deshaun said he wants Will Fuller back. To me, what you really need to focus on is getting, you know, better at the wide receiver position. Uh, you got to sign a a, a uh, positive as a running back free agent, so you can get a good running back. Uh, they need, they definitely need a better run game. It'll help Deshaun. Obviously, you have seen that in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, you you got you, you need to get some more pass, you know, pass catchers. Uh, you need better pass rushers, and you've got to get a better presence at running back.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And it, I was in running backs, really the one position I would think you can get a fifth or sixth round running back who yeah. turns into a stud. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can. You should be able to at least.
0: Now that's kind of what I had on the Texans. I did actually have a Rockets question for you because okay. last time we talked to you, Harden wanted out. That's what we knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the Houston Rockets hit the lottery, moving him and getting back Victor Oladipo and essentially eight. First round draft picks. When you figure four swaps and four firsts,
1: yeah, I mean that was a pretty good haul. You know that that was the first first tough test for uh, Raphael Stone, the new GM. He's actually been pretty made some really good moves this offseason. Uh, Christian Woods signing, um, you know, picking up players like uh, Jay Sean Tate, Sterling Brown, guys who were kind of unheralded. unheralded. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was a really good haul. Um, a lot of people felt. I also personally felt that Ben Simmons would have been you know, a centerpiece of a deal, but the Rockets didn't really covet him. And, you know, that makes perfect sense if they're looking for a future flexibility. I mean, you know, the thing about Old Depot is it's an expiring deal. So a lot of flexibility there. You could do a sign and trade at the end of the season. Maybe you like the way he plays throughout the season and give him an extension. Um, you got a lot of different options, but the four first-round draft picks uh, from, from Brooklyn and then the four swaps, you know, that, that's obviously a haul. But I was thinking, I was doing some research yesterday, and I didn't realize... Harden, Irving, and Durant can all leave Brooklyn after next season because uh, of, of player option, right? And that, w- and that would be realistic. That's g- that would have given them two seasons, this season and next, to give it a shot and see, you know, exactly, you know, what's going to happen, is it going to work out or not? If that happens, which I don't know if it will, but if that happens, then now the Rockets own the future of the Brooklyn Nets, who we would figure would probably not be good, uh, definitely not as good, Uh, which would, would be good picks for sure, right? So. So yeah, that that was a good haul. I hate the way Harden left, um, but uh, overall the haul that you got back for him was was pe- probably better than you could have thought, especially considering that we knew that he wanted out. You know, I always think in trade talks whenever it's leaked that a player wants out and the team has to move him, you're going to get less back because you don't have as much leverage. But for that haul, they did really good.
0: Now I'm going to get your conspiracy theory take on this. Is uh-huh. he wearing a fat suit during warmups? Because he looks skinnier <laughs> when he plays. <laughs>
1: It it seems like it seems like um, I I know the photo that went viral of him. He had on like padding underneath his jersey, um, and that might make him look bulkier. But uh, my dad actually pointed out: if you look at his arms, they actually look pretty big, uh, pretty flabby, even even with that fat suit on. So so I don't know, but it's really weird. I mean, he has like a, a a husky build, you know, barrel-chested build because we've seen photos where he's like looks like he's in shape, like he's really slimmed down. And the same day, he'll take a photo where he looks like he's like you know, an old man at the YMCA playing, you know? <laughs>
0: uh, an old man that can still drop 37-12 and 12, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though, they're using him as a point guard over there. Um, I noticed his scoring has been down the last couple of days, or oh, last couple of games at least. Assist numbers are up. Uh, to me, it's going to take a while for them to learn how to play together. Um, a lot of people feel like Harden and Kyrie are really kind of kind of similar players, kind of cancel each other out. The key thing here is that Durant is obviously an unselfish player. He doesn't need as many shots to get his 30 or 40 or whatever. Um, so that's good. I mean, I don't think that they have enough to get past the Lakers still, not this season. They give up a lot of their pieces that they would need. Levert, Allen, you know, guys that would come up, you know, uh, off the bench or the guys that in the playoffs you know, could could be a positive, make a big impact. Again, that's the price to pay. You're getting James Harden. They would do that anyways. Uh, but I, I'd be curious to see if they have enough to get past the Lakers.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know that that's the dream final I think everyone wants is Brooklyn, L.A. Yeah. Um, and Brooklyn may not even get to the finals. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they played Milwaukee the other day. That was a good game. Um, and they they beat the Bucks. So maybe they feel confident, but they also got beat by the Cavaliers back-to-back games. I watched uh, Colin Sexton drop 42. I mean, every, did, you, did you see that game by chance? The Cleveland versus uh Okay, okay. So in that game, I mean, every time the Cavs needed a bucket, it was going to Colin Sexton. And they tried the, the uh, next tried switching Durant on him, um, Kyrie on him. I mean, he's just dropping threes. Every single time he got the ball and it needed a bucket, boom, three-pointer, boom, three-pointer. And it was like, again, he dropped 42 points, <laughs> you know, and they lost. Like, like I said, the next lost to the Cavs in both games twice, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to take time. Of course, you know, it takes time, new players, star players to adapt, throw another game, adjust. Uh, but, I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All
0: right. Well, again, I appreciate having you come on. This has been Anthony Duckett. Please check out uh, his writing on Fan Sided for the Rockets as well as Clutch City Control Room. Uh, fantastic pieces. Every time I read one, I'm always like, yes, I agree 100%. <laughs> that always <laughs> with the title. That. Sometimes he sucks me in with a title and I'm like, all right, good. I'm glad he doesn't believe that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for your support and for me being on the show again as well. I always love it.
0: No, not a problem. All right, so that ends our show. I'm going to throw it to Kenny. Kenny, uh, what time is it? It's-